go ahead and be turning there. And we're going to jump right in if it's all right. Uh, I felt like I kept you so long this morning, Brother Heath felt like he had to cancel the choir special to get you guys out on time uh, tonight. So he's an advocate for it. You can thank him for that. Uh, no, just kidding. We'll go ahead and jump in tonight if we could. Colossians chapter number one. And uh, good to see all of our folks back here tonight. Obviously missing a lot, a lot of our people, but good to see uh, most of them turning, uh, tuning in tonight on our live stream. I checked there just a moment ago, and just a blessing to see a lot of our people, even our people dealing with uh, the virus right now, who are dealing uh, with the symptoms and aren't feeling well. And uh, I know what that feels like. You're not feeling well, but they've been tuning in, and what a blessing that is to see. And uh, once again, I do appreciate you coming out tonight, especially on a rainy night. Uh, but I believe God's got something for us. Colossians chapter number one, going to jump right in if we could. Picking up in verse number nine, Colossians chapter number one. Let's pick up in verse number nine. The Bible says, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Let's stop there and let's pray together. Father, thank you for the privilege of being back tonight. Thank you, Father, for those that are able to join us tonight, both physically and via live stream. I pray you'd be with all of us. Help us, Father, to open our hearts even now. A lot of cares around our church right now. Father, I pray you'd help us to be able to cast our cares upon you tonight for a few minutes that we might hear your word and receive it and respond to it. Lord, I pray not just for folks in this building tonight, uh, but folks in their homes, their living rooms, maybe in their bedrooms, in bed, Lord, being sick, watching this live stream, that, Father, we would all respond in our hearts tonight how you might lead us through the message. Give us grace to say what you'd have us to. Give us grace to receive it. And I'll thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. I was telling someone the other day, one of the things that I have found most interesting during this season that we've been in for a little while now is probably how I've had to prepare for a lot of things that I never dreamed that I would have to prepare for. Uh, you know, I went to four years of Bible college and uh, thankful for the knowledge that you're able to get there uh, in Bible college, but they do not prepare you for times like these. And I was talking with someone the other day about some of the things that I have really laughed at that I have found myself preparing for that involve ministry that I never thought would involve in ministry. Here's just a few. I found myself the other night, like I was telling Ms. Terry about this the other day. She's one of our medical prof professionals. Uh, Brother Ravi's one of our professionals. I ask them a lot of questions, but uh, when I feel like I've asked too many questions, I'll go Google it, you know, because that's the answer to everything, right? And I was Googling the other day and studying pathogens, microns, and spike proteins, uh, I don't even know that I knew what those things were before all of these things happened. Uh, but as we try to prepare and be prepared to help our people and be a blessing to our people, try to read up on as much as this as possible, and I never dreamed that would be included in my ministry preparations. Uh, I've studied now for a couple of weeks or since I've been better, been researching the legal ramifications for exposure to individuals in our service and what kind of liability that might carry. And shockingly, as I've been speaking with CLA on a lot of this, there is some liability there that we have to be prepared for as we uh, traverse these uncertain times that we're living in. 
Uh, I've also been researching the constitutional dilemma uh, of requiring vaccines and what people need to do and how they need to be prepared to respond to that. Now, these are things I never thought I'd have to prepare for in ministry. Uh, I had this naive idea that I would get the opportunity and privilege just to stay in the Word of God all the time, reading my Bible and preparing, and who knew we'd be studying science and law in preparations to worship God. But we're doing all of this in preparation so that we can be prepared and so that our people can be prepared. Why? Because we're living in a very much of a different world. I want to share something with you in the introduction tonight. I'm going to hurry through uh, the points the Lord's given us because I believe I preached enough for two sermons this morning. But I want to share something with you that really shows my heart, and I want you to understand this. If you would, turn to your right, hold, hold Colossians, but turn to your right just a little bit and go to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13, I want you to see something that will help you in the context of all that we're going through and the decisions that are being made. I believe it's important that we go to the Word of God. Why? Because that's our reference on what we do and how we live and how we lead. Hebrews chapter 13, I want you to look at verse number 17, and I want you to see my heart as we go through all of these preparations trying to lead our church. Uh, look down, if you will. The Bible says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. But here's what I want you to see. For they watch for your souls as they must give account. I want you to understand tonight that part of my calling as a pastor is to watch for our souls. That's part of my job. That's part of my calling of God. And notice those words, if you will. The Bible says that they must give account. The Bible says that it's my calling of God upon this place that I watch for our souls. Why? Because I must give an account. And therefore, it's important that as a pastor, I be prepared as I lead our church, knowing that I'll one day stand before God, and I'm going to give an account for how I watch for our souls. Could I give you a little bit of personal counsel tonight? And all of the counsel that we're getting, and I know we're getting a lot, we're getting a lot online, on television, from our friends and our neighbors, and some of it is good. And all of the counsel that we're getting on the life that we're having to live now throughout this pandemic, be sure you include some counsel from someone who cares for your soul. Can I give you that? There's a lot of counsel for this temporal life and how we should live in this temporal life, but be sure you get some good spiritual counsel. Why? Uh, because you need to know how to be prepared, not only to handle this physically, but we've got to be prepared as Christians to handle this pandemic spiritually. And so we take these matters very serious and similar to the call of John the Baptist in Luke chapter 1. Do you remember what the Bible says, really summing up his calling? The Bible says in verse number 17 of Luke 1, he was there to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. You know, we're not just preparing this life as people of God, we're preparing for the next life. And as a pastor, it is my responsibility and call of God to watch for our souls, knowing I must give an account, and to help our people be prepared for what? For the coming of the Lord. Now, in Colossians chapter number one, this is what Paul is doing. As a matter of fact, you look down to the first verse we read, the Bible says, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. Now, everything we're going to see tonight is part of a prayer. Paul is praying for the church at Colossae. Why? He wants them to be prepared. Now, what's wonderful is we look into this passage of Scripture, we see his heart. Notice the Bible says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire. We see the heart of Paul, if you will, the pastor here looking at the church at Colossae, and we see his heart as that these people are prepared not only to live for God, 
But to meet God, look down if you will, verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. The apostle Paul is not only preparing them to live for God, he's preparing them to meet the Lord. Now folks, understand this. When we meet the Lord, and hopefully it's going to be very, very soon. Uh, I love the verse that we sang this morning on it is well my, uh, with my soul. And it said, Lord, haste the day. Boy, that used to scare me as a young man, a young er man. That used to scare me. I hear people all the time talking about the Lord coming quickly. And I'm like, whoa, now I got a lot of living I want to do. But oh, after living in 2020 and 2021, I think I can honestly sing that verse genuinely from my heart. Lord, haste the day. I'm looking forward to when he comes back. But can I tell you when he comes back what you're going to want to be? You're going to want to be prepared. John was there to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And the Apostle Paul is literally giving a prayer of preparation in verse number 9. And that's what I want to preach on tonight. A prayer of preparation. Paul is preaching this, this to his church. I believe we need to hear this as our church. Now look, this is wonderful counsel under any circumstance. But I believe the Lord is tipping his hat to us just a little bit, letting us know it's not going to be long. If there's any time we need to be prepared, it's now. So tonight I want to look at this prayer of preparation that Paul is praying. And I want to show you four things rather quickly, if possible, that he tells them they need in order to be prepared when they meet the Lord. Now notice, if you will, verse 9. We're going to start there and we're going to go down. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, Do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be what? The Bible says filled. Now, this is not a random list. It actually follows a wonderful progression of events. You need to see how these things work together. And now watch closely. The first thing Paul is praying for them, number one, is a filling. Notice, now not F-E-E-L. He's praying for an F-I-L-L. He says, I want you, verse number nine, that you might be filled. I'm praying that you might have a filling with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, this is an important truth we've got to get tonight. We've got to see that he starts with the filling. Why? Because a filling starts on the inside. Now, you've got to see that tonight, all right? Now, understand if we're going to be prepared to meet the Lord to be who we need to be when we see him, that when we see him, we're not afraid, that we're welcoming him, and it's truly a blessed hope that we're looking forward to. Understand it's got to start on the inside. And he says, my prayer for you, my prayer is that you might be filled. Now, he's showing us preparation starts on the inside. Now, we got to get this. Why? Because all too often, we skip this first one. And we go to the next one, which is getting cleaned up on the outside. But if you don't get cleaned up on the inside, it's a lot like salvation. You can clean up the outside all you want. But if nothing happens on the inside, nothing happened that really matters. Have you ever been pouring anything and got distracted? I've done that before, all right? You may not be as goofy or as clumsy as I am, but uh, listen, I'm mature enough to admit it. And I've been pouring something. Matter of fact, at our house, there's a nice little window in our kitchen. I can look into the living room and I can see the TV on the wall. And my wife will be watching something. And I'll be pouring me a glass of milk or maybe pouring some milk and some cereal. And all of a sudden, see something interesting on television, not realizing I've been moved the milk over and I'm pouring it all over the counter. Can I tell you some deep Greek stuff tonight? If you're going to fill something, it's got to start on the inside. You can't fill something up 
if you don't put it on the inside. Now, what is Paul saying here? Paul says, I'm praying that you be filled. Now, understand this. If we're going to be prepared when we meet God, we've got to understand that that work begins on the inside. Why does Romans 10.10 say, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Now, understand, it doesn't just stop on the inside. For with the heart man believeth unto, that means it goes somewhere from there, unto righteousness. It doesn't stop there, but it's got to start there. It's like salvation. Listen, I'm thankful that I got saved. It started there in my heart. I got saved. But boy, what a blessing it is. After we get saved, we go unto righteousness, and it overflows on the outside. But it's got to start on the inside. Or else we're like the Pharisees. Matthew 23, the Bible says, Woe unto scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. For you're like unto whited sepulchers, which are indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones of all uncleanness. Do you know why the Pharisees were not prepared to meet Christ? Do you know why they kept tripping over themselves? They wanted to skip step number one. The step number one was being filled, that work beginning on the outside. Now listen to me. If you don't start right, you're not going to finish right. And it starts on the inside with God doing a work in you on the inside, and it overflows on the outside. I saw something uh, that I think I'll never forget uh, that jumped out to me when I was reading this verse. I watched it on the Olympics. I was laying in bed. I had my laptop there, and the Olympics were on. I love track. I used to love running. Now I don't, uh, but I love run. I used to love running. I used to love running track. I was, I was a short-distance sprinter. I would do the 100 and the 400, but that was about it. And I was watching the semifinal heats of the 100-meter dash. I mean, they've gotten it under 10 seconds. Unbelievable. And I watched as they got on the starting blocks, and the starting blocks are new this year. They're the Omega starting blocks, Omega timekeepers. Now, listen to this. The Omega starting blocks, the official timekeeper of the Olympics, measures foot pressure 4,000 times in one second. Like 3,000 times wasn't enough, you know. So they upped it to 4,000. And when they get on those blocks, and they put their feet in those blocks, it measures foot pressure 4,000 times in one second. And if your foot pressure comes off for over one-tenth of a second, you are disqualified. I watched, in the, I think it was the first heat. There was a Nigerian runner. His first name is Divine, and I can't pronounce his last name, so I'm not even going to try. All of a sudden, the gun fired, and then it fired again. When you hear the gunfire the second time, it means the race has stopped. They walked over, I think it was a red card and a black card, and he was disqualified. Why? He had pulled just a little bit of pressure, and they said he started too soon. You see, he started wrong, and therefore he was disqualified. Now, folks, understand this. Number one, listen, if you don't get saved on the inside, you're disqualified. God's going to disqualify. Now, as a child of God, after we get saved, if the work of God doesn't begin on the inside, listen, we're not going to be prepared to meet him. It's got to begin on the inside. Now, folks, we've got to understand this. We've got to make sure that we're ready to meet the Lord that we believe is coming soon. So notice what he says we need to be filled with, that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all, in wisdom and spiritual Understanding. Now, we could preach a while just at the end of verse number nine, but we're not. But notice the first thing, if you will, the knowledge of his will. One of the things tonight that God wants you to be filled with 
is the knowledge of his will. What is knowledge? Look at the root word. It's to know. God wants you to be filled with the knowledge or he wants you to know his will. Look what it says. The knowledge of his will. Now, folks, have you noticed that in this life, as we seek to live for God and be prepared to meet him, life is a lot about a battle of wills. Have you noticed that in your life? I have a will. My flesh has a will. The world has a will. The government has a will. You and I get to decide which will wins. Well, look, we don't even have to decide which one wins. The Bible says we're to be filled with the knowledge of his will. Can I tell you, when you're filled with the knowledge of his, there's no room for theirs? Would you think about it? That's deep Greek too, isn't it? Think about it. You get filled with the knowledge of his will, there's no room for theirs. But can I tell you why so often we can't find direction in our life? Can I tell you so often why we don't know exactly what to do or which direction to go? It's because we're not filled with the knowledge of his will. Therefore, we've got all of these competing wills in our hearts and our minds. Folks, listen, when you're not filled with the knowledge of his will, you're just inviting confusion in your life. You know, God's not the author of confusion. By the way, I think confusion is a sad testimony of a child of God. Confusion is what the world has. There shouldn't be confusion in the life of God's people. But the reason we have confusion is because, watch this, we haven't made the first step of being filled with the knowledge of his will. Now, folks, here's what's amazing. When you're filled with the knowledge of his will, it will give you direction and wherever, listen, God desires us to go, he's going to make it known to you. I was typing this afternoon, typing out my outline, and I misspelled a word. Doesn't happen all the time, but every once in a while, I misspell. You know, when you have, you have two P's or you have two L's, sometimes you can't remember which one it is. And the word accommodate gets me all the time. Does anybody else get that one? Accom- O's and A's and M's, oh, it just gets me all the time. Matter of fact, my wife and I were, the, uh, were at a, a girl's home one time. We were the guest uh, staff for the competition, staff versus uh, the girls that were there, and there was a spelling bee, and there was like 30-something people, and I was one of the last three people standing. <sighs> And accommodate got me. It just got me. So I'm sitting there today, and I forget what word I was typing, and all of a sudden up on the screen, it pops up the correct word. That spell check's awesome, isn't it? It just, it just kind of popped it up there on the screen as an autocorrect. So as I'm getting ready to type the wrong word, it popped the right word up there, and I just kept on going, and it put the word right up there on the screen. Now, do you know why it did that? Because that word is already inside my computer, right? And so as I started to go the wrong way, all of a sudden, it popped up the right way, and I just kept on going, and I didn't type the wrong word. Now, this is how being filled with the knowledge of his will is. As we go through this life, we have all of these decisions to make. As soon as we start to go the wrong way, if we're filled with the knowledge of his will, all of a sudden, he auto-corrects us. It says, "Eh, nah, uh-uh, not that way. But when you're not filled, oh, that's when the confusion comes in. That's why we've got to be careful what we fill ourselves with. Now, keep reading. What does he say fill ourselves with? The knowledge of his will. And then he says, in all wisdom. In all wisdom. Now, this is amazing. Why? Knowledge often shows us what to do. Okay? Knowledge shows us exactly what to do. The knowledge of his will. Do you know what wisdom shows us? Wisdom often shows us how to do it. 
So not only do I not have to figure out what to do, I don't have to figure out how to do it. Why? Because the knowledge of his will shows me what, and wisdom shows me how. Do you know there's a big difference in knowledge and wisdom? I know a lot of knowledgeable people that don't have a whole lot of wisdom. All right? I'm just going to be nice and stop that right there. I know a lot of people whose heads are full of facts. I know a lot of people who know a lot about the Bible, but without the wisdom of God, you don't know how to apply the knowledge of his will. So watch this. When we're filled with it, we have the knowledge of his will, what to do, and then we have wisdom that shows us how to do it. Now, what is Paul doing here? He's trying to prepare them to meet the Lord. He says you've got to know his will, the knowledge of it, and then the wisdom of it that shows you how to do his will. Now, how do we get wisdom? Well, James 1.5 is very clear. If any of you like wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. I'm so thankful tonight for the wisdom of God. How wonderful is it to be able to bow a knee before God and say, God, show me how to do what you're telling me to do. I mean, there's been so many decisions we've had to make. Sometimes they're unpopular. Say, God, give me wisdom. Show me how. And God gives us exactly what we need. But go on. I'm going to hurry. Knowledge of his will, be filled with wisdom, and spiritual understanding. Do you know what spiritual understanding is? Spirit-led understanding. All right? Spirit-led understanding. Now, you're not going to think spiritually naturally. You have a built-in default called flesh, and oh, it is a plague worse than this pandemic. It leads us wrong, and it leads us astray. But watch this. The Bible says if you're full of spiritual understanding, he's going to guide you through the knowledge and wisdom of his will. He's almost removing any opportunity for error. You see that? Folks, look, so often we just scratch our head trying to figure out what God wants, how God wants, when God wants, and where God wants. I believe we can alleviate a lot of that stress and a lot less wrinkles on our face if we were just filled with what God says we're supposed to be filled with. So number one, what is Paul praying for? Number one, he's praying for a filling. He's praying for a filling. Let's keep reading. Look at verse 10. Why is he praying for that? Well, the second part is a result of the first. Notice the first word in verse number 10. The Bible says that. The word that denotes a continuing action. Okay? So what we're about to read in verse number 10 results from verse number 9. So first you have what? You have the filling. All right? It starts on the inside. Don't skip number one. You've got to have that on the inside. And what, what happens after that? That you might walk worthy of the Lord. Paul says once you take care of the filling, the result should be you walk worthy of the Lord. Paul's showing them number two, what he's praying for them is a following. Number one is a filling. And if you get filled up with what you're supposed to get filled up with, you'll follow what you're supposed to follow. That you might walk worthy of the Lord. Now, this is why starting right is so important. If you don't get filled with the right stuff, you're not going to follow the right stuff. This is not deep stuff, is it, folks? But I'll tell you, this trips us up more often than we realize. We fill our hearts and our lives with the wrong things, and then we wonder why we have trouble following. He says, be filled in verse number nine, that ye might walk worthy, that ye might follow. Now, folks, I want you to understand something tonight. If you're not filled with the right things on the inside, do not be surprised 
if you don't follow the right things on the outside. All right? Because what's happening on the outside is a direct result of what's happening on the inside. Oftentimes, parents will come. They'll ask, why is my young person doing this? Why are they acting this way? Why are they talking this way? Every time, without fail, it's usually an influence. It's an influence. Something is influencing their direction. If you want to change what's happening on the outside, you've got to figure out what's getting into their heart. Because Matthew 12, 34, I mention it all the time. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We want to change what's coming out of their mouth. We've got to change what's going into their heart. This is why I have a problem with so many of the touchy-feely movements today that we call religious movements. Because they talk about a filling. F-I-L-L-I-N-G, but it never results in a following. If there's a filling in verse 9, it's going to result in a following in verse number 10. I mean, that verse, Matthew 12, 34, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, abundance is going to overflow. When you're filled with something, it's going to overflow. I got a flash flood warning uh, this afternoon. Did y'all get that, W-D-A-M? Do you know what it means? It means the ditches are going to be filled up and there's a good chance they're going to overflow. That's what happens when things get filled up. They overflow. Now, folks, here's what I believe is happening. Oftentimes, we lay claim in the movements, the touchy-feely movements that are going around our country right now that we have been filled with the Spirit. But I'm afraid it's not a filling, F-I-L-L-I-N-G. I'm afraid all it was was a feeling, F-E-E-L-I-N-G. Why? Because, watch this, a filling without a following is just a feeling. All right, we there? All right, as far as I know, that's original by me, okay? Uh, I didn't rob that offline, but it's true. A feeling without a following, all it was was a feeling. If nothing translates in your walk after this feeling that you said you had, I'm afraid all you had was an emotional moment. Now, I want to tell you something. I'm, Brother Monroe, I'm not ashamed to admit it. Admit it. COVID messed with my emotions. I'm not lying. My wife and I have cried together over some of the dumbest stuff in the world. I can't lie to you. I've just got to be honest with you. For the sake of an illustration, I'll be glad to do it. I've cried over Andy Griffith. I cried over the Olympics. I cried over a Toyota commercial, the swimmer without the legs. Oh, my soul. God to me. My emotions are just up and down and up and down. And can I tell you, the Lord had nothing to do with it most of the time. It was just a feeling. Just a feeling. So if I just start crying randomly talking to you, it's okay. My family's gotten used to it by now. COVID just messes with you all over. I'm, I'm not lying to you. Folks, if you think you have a feeling, but it doesn't result in a following, all you had was a feeling. Why? John 10, the Bible says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Look, if we really heard from God, and if we've really been filled with what we say we've been filled with, it's going to result in the fellowship. And Paul says, I'm praying that you're filled, and then I pray that you will follow. Now, why is this important? Remember, what's Paul preparing them for? To meet the Lord. To meet the Lord. Do you know when the Lord comes back and the trump of God sounds? I mean, there have been a few times in my life I thought I heard it, but obviously we didn't because I'm still here. And at that moment, I thought to myself, well, this is not what I thought I would be doing when he came back. I'd love to be behind the pulpit, but I know that's selfish. You know that the Lord would plan his eternal schedule just around me to be behind the pulpit. I doubt that's going to happen. But you know you're going to be doing something when the Lord comes back. There's a good chance I'm going to be at a restaurant. 
a really good chance. Or if I'm not at a restaurant, I'm going to be eating something. And I'm thinking, you know what? I wonder what I'm going to be doing when the Lord comes back. Well, I have no idea, but I pray I'm following. When I meet the Lord, I want to meet the Lord knowing that I'm following. But watch this. It starts with a filling, and then it results with a following. Matthew 24, 46, blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. You're going to wish more than anything when the trumpet of God sounds that he found you following. While I was sick, <clears throat> Leslie was down, so I'm down. So Miley ran our household. I'm not kidding. She answered our phone and did everything for us while we were down. And uh, who knows what kind of Amazon packages we're going to have coming to our door soon from all of uh, the access she had to our phones while we were down. But I guess it was worth it in the end. And I'd be in the bedroom <laughs> just coughing, coughing, coughing. Molly would come in there, and she took up the reins of her mother. She would say, Dad, have you taken your medicine? Just what I need. Another lady in my house asking me if I've taken my medicine. And boy, it felt so good to tell Miley, yes, yes, I've taken my medicine. I've done, I've done what I'm supposed to do. Now, folks, and I tell you, when the Lord comes back, you're going to be so thankful and you're going to be so joyous in your heart knowing that when you see him and he sees you, that you were following. So Paul says, I pray that you be filled. I pray that you follow. Let's look at the third thing. Keep reading in verse number 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being what? Fruitful. Fruitful. Now, you know, when we started with two Fs, we're going to go all the way through, okay? So we're going to make this work. Paul says, I'm praying, number three, that you're fruitful. I'm praying that you're fruitful. Do you know, when the Lord comes back, he's going to be looking for fruit. That's the whole point of the parable of the talents. Don't miss that. Right? There's a lot of good teaching in there. But the Bible says that when that master came back, he was looking for the fruit that they had to show for what they did with what he gave them. And folks, tonight, can I tell you, if you want to be prepared when you meet the Lord, you're going to have to be fruitful. Romans chapter 6, verse 20 and 22 the Bible says, for when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? Oh, before we got saved, listen, it doesn't matter. Even when you got saved as a child, there's things we've done that were not pleasing to God, and we had fruit that we're ashamed of. But the Bible says, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Let me tell you why fruit is important. Watch this. You get filled, and then you learn to follow. But it's important to notice the fruit comes later. The fruit was the third step. All of us desire fruit immediately, don't we? I want some fruit. Matter of fact, I looked this up. Do you know that it takes two to three years to get a banana after you plant a banana tree? I mean, that's a, that's a long time to wait. I'm just going to corner market. An apple tree is three to five years. Three to five years. You see, the fruit comes later. You've got to wait on the fruit. You've got to be filled. You've got to learn to follow. And then the result of that is you become fruitful. But here's what's amazing. Our fruit is going to reflect what we were following. If we're following Christ, we're going to have Christ-like fruit. If we're following the world, we're going to have carnal fruit. Then, folks, when the Lord comes back, I'll promise you, you want to make sure that every piece of fruit in your spiritual basket is something pleasing to the Lord. The other day, we had gnats in our house. Anybody had gnats in their house this year? I hate those little things. 
Uh, I mean, we went on a we went on a, a gnat killing expedition in our house, you know, just like a trophy hunt, but in our house because we couldn't go outside. And we had to do something to pass the time, and we're trying to figure out where those gnats were coming from. I hate bugs in my house. I feel like they're invaders, and it's very presumptuous that they come in without my permission. So we started looking for all of our all of the stuff that was there. I mean, folks brought you folks brought us stuff. All I mean, our counter was full. So we started looking, we looking, and I found this one bag of fruit. It was some oranges. Oh, they were the good ones. What are they called? Halos? Those are good. Easy to peel. Tastes real good, real sweet. And we're looking around. I said, boy, those look good. But all of a sudden, as I walked away, I saw one in the bottom of that, of that mesh bag, and it was green. Our housekeeper didn't do a good job on that one. It was green. I'm not talking about green like, you know, they picked it early. I'm talking about green like furry. And I got down there, and I'm looking at that, that little mesh basket that it's in, and I found their haven. That's where they were hiding out. Man, I pulled out some kind of spray out from under the counter. I don't know if it was counter cleaner, Windex, or what it was, but it knocks them out of the sky, okay? You just need something to knock them out of the sky where you can smoosh them on the counter, and that's the way we do it around our house. But most of the fruit in that basket was good, but all that old green one had to go. And we, as a matter of fact, we got rid of the whole thing. Can I tell you, when the Lord comes back and you meet the Lord, you don't want any green oranges in your basket. But watch this. The fruit that's in your basket is the result of what you followed. You can't at the last minute say, uh, Lord, hold on just a minute. You know, the twinkling of an eye is kind of fast. I don't think in the twinkling of an eye you can get a green orange out of your basket. I think you better get it out of your basket before he comes. So Paul says, I'm preparing you to meet the Lord. And what does he say? He says, I want you to be fruitful, but have the right kind of fruit. The only way you're going to have the right kind of fruit is to make sure you're following after the right things because you were filled with the right things. You see how they're working together? Filling, a following, and for the sake of illustration, a fruiting. Okay, I don't know if fruiting's a word, but we'll call that tonight. What is he doing? He's preparing them to meet the Lord. Matthew 25, 19, the parable of the talents, I'll give you this. And I'll give you the last point because there's four tonight. You got excited and I just let you down. It's okay. It's 25.52. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And reckoneth with them. It's going to go through the fruit that's in our basket. At that moment, look, if you're in the sound of my voice tonight, you're in this room tonight, I kind of wonder if the Lord might not stir that up to our heart, that memory. Oh, I wish I always been filled with the right things so that I follow the right things, so that I had the right kind of fruit. Because when the trump of God sounds, it's going to be too late. So number three, he says, I pray that you're fruitful. I pray that you're fruitful. Lastly, let me get back over where I'm going here. There we go. Look down. Verse number 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Now watch the last part of this verse. This is beautiful. Unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. I got to the end of verse number 11. I, I was praying. I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, show us. Could you give me just one more I said, Lord, I, I don't have time tonight to preach on patience, long-suffering, and joyfulness, but Lord, could you give me something that packages all those words together? And the Lord can do that, and he did. Now, I want you to think about those three words, patience, 
long-suffering, and joyfulness. When you add these things together, it equals what you want to be when you meet the Lord. Number four, the last thing he's preparing them to be is faithful. Watch this. He's encouraging them. He's praying for them to be faithful. Now, this is important to see that faithfulness comes last. Faithfulness comes last. Why? Because that's something that only the Lord gets to decide. Only the Lord, when he came back in Matthew 25, the master of those servants, he was the only one that could deem them faithful because I'll tell you this, if it's up to us, we would probably judge ourselves faithful because we read our Bible every day. We probably would. We're pretty easy on ourselves. I'm easy on myself. We would judge ourselves faithful because we go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, or judge ourselves faithful because we pray every day. But can I tell you something? Those are things the Pharisees did, and they were not faithful. Faithfulness goes far beyond holding down a pew. Here's what I believe tonight. I believe the majority of Christians are faithful in habit, but we're not faithful in heart. And oh, is there a big difference between being faithful in your habits and being faithful in your heart. Now, let me show you why there's a big difference. Notice what faithfulness includes in verse 11. It includes patience. Patience. I've told you so many times, the first time I looked up the word patience uh, in Scripture, I was amazed by the definition. It means busily abiding in the will of God. Patience isn't like, well, God, I'm waiting on you. I'm sitting here at the bus stop. Be here when you get here. No, patience is busily abiding in the will of God. Now, folks, I think about Joseph when I think about patience. Why? Because he was so patient as the will of God unfolded in his life. His brothers were mean to him, threw him in the pit, sold him into slavery, got lied about, thrown in prison, forgot about in prison. I mean, oh, Joseph just had a tough life, but he was patient. You know what he was doing? He was being faithful. You can't be faithful without being patient. Patience is busily abiding in the will of God. And you say, God, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to serve you like Joseph. No matter my circumstances, I'm going to be busily abiding in your will. But what else does patience include? Well, look at verse 11 again. Patience also includes long-suffering. Long-suffering. Boy, when I think about that, I think of Job. I think of Job. He suffered long, didn't he? But you know what he proved through his long-suffering? You ready? Faithfulness. He was faithful. He said, I'm suffering, but I want to be counted. You say, well, I'm going to grunt it out. Well, watch this. The last thing that faithfulness includes, patience, long-suffering, <laughs> He had to add those two words at the end of verse number 11. I think through sheer stubbornness, I could be counted faithful with the first two. I honestly, I'm just that stubborn. But then he adds those two words at the end of verse number 11 that make it tough. With joyfulness. With joyfulness. I'm not just going to grunt it out and be patient and suffer long. He says, I'm going to show you how I want you to be patient, long-suffering, and faithful. He says, oh, and by the way, I want you to do it with joy. I mean, I was feeling pretty good until I read those last two words. They're on another line in my Bible. And so as I'm reading them, I'm taking my own medicine. Okay, strengthen with all might, according to his glorious power, under patience. Okay, I think I can do that. Long-suffering, we've been doing that. And he throws a curveball with joyfulness. I couldn't help but think of Paul in Acts 20. Go bound in the spirit in Jerusalem, 
Bonds and afflictions are waiting for him. He just kept going. Watch. He says, so that I might finish my course. What's the next two words? With joy. Do you know what he was doing? He was being faithful. He was being faithful. Faithfulness is being patient in the will of God. Patience is long-suffering. And patience is doing it with joy. Folks, I'll tell you, as your pastor, who genuinely cares for your souls, knowing I'll give an account to God for it, my heart's desire for you is, is what Paul's desire for this church was, that we be prepared. I pray tonight, number one, that you would be filled, that you be filled with the right things, be filled with the knowledge of his will, you be filled with wisdom and spiritual understanding. Why? Because once you check that box, all of a sudden, then you'll walk worthy. It results in a following. There's a filling, and then there's a following, and then if you stick with it, you'll start to produce fruit. It doesn't happen in the first year, the second year, maybe the third year, but watch this sooner or later. You look at that tree, and lo and behold, there's some little fruits, but you had to stick it out with the filling and the following, and then finally, when the Lord comes back, it's my prayer that through all the preparation through all the preaching and all the studying and the praying and working together at Central Baptist Church, that the Lord will find us faithful because we were patient, we were long-suffering, and we did it with joy. Let's have our heads bowed tonight, our eyes closed.